0: make space for yourself right so it's make sure you have me time and at the end of the day I mean I guess it's known the if you if you if you overwork yourself you're going to be less creative so um and then a lot of um creative ideas come just from uh taking a break from a problem right and uh going for a walk or working out or whatever just freeing your mind I mean it can be done through working out it can be done through meditation it can be done through taking time off travel vacation in all kinds of ways
1: okay i've got something exciting to share with you over the past few months my team and i have been working hard behind the scenes to create something special for you my listeners If you're an executive, entrepreneur, or other high performer looking to lose 20 to 30 pounds of fat, transform your body, and to do it all without giving up your favorite foods or your social life in the process, then you're going to want to hear this. I've never done anything like this before, but I'm confident it's going to help you win big with your health in 2022. So if you're excited to see what I have planned to help you, Go to legendarylifepodcast.com slash Facebook to join my exclusive Facebook group. Again, that's legendarylifepodcast.com slash Facebook. See you inside. What is up, my friend? And welcome back to the Legendary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Rice, coach to entrepreneurs and other busy professionals. And today I have a special guest for you. His name's Dan Reutman. And unlike many of the guests that I have on the show, Dan is an entrepreneur. He's a successful one. I mean, the guy, his business, it's just killing it. He's the CEO of Stroll, a Philadelphia-based education e-commerce platform, and one of the fastest growing companies in America. But here's the thing: I met Dan in 2020 at Medellin at an entrepreneur event where he was speaking. And I reconnected with him just randomly walking to an event that I was attending in Mexico City, again, another entrepreneur event for the same group called Dynamite Circle. And as soon as I saw him, I said, Dan, you made an incredible transformation. After I saw that body transformation that he did on his own with other people, he's going to share with you how he did it. But I knew I had to get him on the show to share with you how a busy entrepreneur, a busy executive like himself was able to fit this into his life and how he did it. And what advice he has for you if you're struggling with time, which happens to be the number one excuse, especially for busy professionals, especially for entrepreneurs. So if you're the person who finds that work just takes all your time away, and you feel like you just haven't been able to balance work with your health, you're going to get a lot out of today's interview. So without further ado, let's hop into the interview with Dan Reutman. Dan Reutman, thanks so much for being on the show today. Really looking forward to this conversation
0: and uh, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
1: Dan, I don't know how much media you've done or do or what you're into in terms of podcasting and being a public figure, but I met you twice, once in Medellin, and then more recently, we reconnected in uh, D.C., Mexico, an event for entrepreneurs, and we got to walking over to the hotel together and got into a conversation that I really enjoyed a lot. I want to jump into so many things, but before we get there, can you talk a little bit about your background, who you are, what you do, some of your some of the amazing accolades that you have, and then we'll we'll dive a bit deeper.
0: Sure, sure, happy to. Uh, well, I guess I got my beginning uh, my senior year in college over twenty years ago, uh, where basically I, I launched my first company uh, out of college, which. Um, Over 15 years became close to a hundred million dollar education company, Um, and so did that business. So I went from entrepreneur to professional manager over time. You know, had a couple hundred, close to a couple hundred employees, had um, a full management team. Kind of uh, just kind of went through the full transformation and evolution, I guess. You know, business wise, and uh, then for whatever reason, I wanted to go back and do some some something startup oriented. I I mean, I promised myself in my after my first company, that I just go buy something, and so, but I just had the itch to to start something again, and started a software company, did that for a couple of years, and then um, did uh, for a small amount of time, did like a management consulting type of business, and then uh, ultimately three years ago, started a early education company that really is is my main focus today. So ninety percent of my time is uh, is really trying to, and, and really my kind of where I see my future is trying to transform education. I mean, just, uh, I think we need a new breed of leaders and just a whole new approach to education. So we're kind of taking, uh, an incremental approach to that with, with our first business mind and then have a lot of other stuff that we're doing there. So then 10% of my time, I mean, is spent, uh, mentoring, uh, high growth entrepreneurs. You mean, know, I'm helping, um, companies that just want to get to the next level, uh, one, I mean, one has exited, several in the process of exiting. So it's just that whole next level piece that I just really enjoy. I mean, while I'm in startup mode, I really enjoy the uh, the scaling of, of existing businesses as well.
1: And just for who we have a lot of entrepreneurs who listen, what is the level that you need to be at for to work with someone like you? Is it like you need to be making seven figures or is it
0: eight figures or? Generally, it's it's Five to forty million dollars is 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 where I found um, the kind of sweet spot. I do get compensated, so it's just uh, it's just a good good phase where the the CEO has some freedom to actually implement. So they're not just totally in fire firefighting mode all the time. So I mean, I help solve some of those problems, but it's just you know really want somebody to be in a position where they can work on the business more and more instead of in in the business. Interesting. Really? Yeah, so it's just and then and then it's just the strategies that we can implement, the people that we need to put in place. But I mean, I I I'll, I'll help with some of the operational pieces. I mean, just giving guidance on that. But then it's uh, I really like to spend my time on like you know how do we get from A to, to B, C or Z? I mean, just more the strategic pieces and and how do you just accelerate what's already there? And if there are any capital constraints, how do we solve that? Um, I mean, there's all kinds of issues that you start to get into. But it's the I don't know. I find that stuff's uh, more fun than the the remedial, like just basics, like just just teaching the basics. I mean, so it's just it's just finding more fun.
1: Uh, I understand. I understand. So yeah, if you're listening, then um, if you you got that business in the five to forty range in terms of uh, your your income for your business, Dan might be someone you want to check in with. Dan, I want to you you talked about how leadership is really important to you just now, and you actually want to create a new breed of leader. In our conversation in Mexico City, we talked about your physical transformation because from 2020 in Medellin, I believe it was in March, maybe, no, actually February, to recently, I don't, what is it? October in Mexico City, October of 2021, you you had this transformation. And when we talked, you said something that a mentor told you about the type of entrepreneur you should avoid becoming. Can you talk a little bit about your view? That story you told me, your views on health, how does it relate to entrepreneurship and success in general?
0: Yeah. So I actually it was, a, it was a, a close friend of mine who, uh, I mean, this is maybe oof 2001. I remember I was uh, I had graduated, and uh, uh, one of my best friends was was helping me in the business, and we're working side by side in an office. And uh, I remember uh, I remember him turning to me one day, and he's like, "Hey, man, you know what, what, what's going on over there?" He's like, "You know, don't don't let yourself be uh, you know become a pudgy entrepreneur." I mean, and uh, and so I guess um, we. Yeah, it might have been even 2000, but uh no, I think it was two thousand one. But we basically uh just ended up doing like uh like the Body for Life challenge back then and and got into shape and then Yeah, yeah. So I mean he inspired a lot of people. I mean, it's 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 amazing. Yeah, that was that was something that always like I always remember, you know. It's just, you know, make sure you don't don't ever let yourself go too far. And so um uh I've always taken that to heart. I mean, just trying to um at least maintain some some activity level, some balance, or, uh, you know, having some thermometer basically level that if you go above that, you, uh, you just want to do something about it. So, because, you know, different points in time, different things might happen or, you know, before you know it, you're uh, enjoying yourself too much. I mean, even if you are working out, you still can gain weight or whatever. So it's, uh, it's just one of those things, just always staying on top of it.
1: But why? Why does that? I mean, I know, I know, I, this is my business. I know the statistics. I know the heart disease is number one, but every so does everybody else.
0: Yeah, I, I guess, you know, I've always looked at it as like, um, I just believe in life, you can have it all. So... You can have great relationships. You can have lots of wealth. You can have great health. You can have everything. So I just look at it as one of uh, many dimensions of life that just um, should be there. And then there is separately, you know, I don't know. I, I personally want to live to to 120 years, years or older. I mean, if possible, you know, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's somebody alive today who'll live to 150. It's just based on medical advances and so forth. So you know that just requires um, being worrying about not worrying about that, but just uh, um, you know you 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 identify as someone who's going to live that long. Well, you just got to be congruent with it. So that's kind of the way I think about it. Interesting. So
1: a lot of your behavior is driven by this identification of, "Hey, I'm going to be the guy who." lives to 120. And for those people who aren't aware, like that's what scientists think are like the maximum lifespan of a human being without the medical interventions and all that. So what were you going to say, Dan?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it's, it's, uh, but I, I think more so it's just look, wanting to number one, feel good, have strong energy Strong energy levels. I mean, you know, I'm constantly optimizing. I mean, this year, um, uh, well, not this year, last September, I cut out caffeine as an example. And it took me about three weeks to fully normalize. But after that, I mean, my energy levels are like completely like level all day instead of like, okay, first cup of coffee in the morning and then, all right, after lunch and then. A little wired, let me have a beer and you know, you know, uppers and downers, you know, it's like uh so it's also just um trying to be just have peak energy at all times. I mean, just to to do the things I want to get done, you know, to get, get the things done that I wanna do. So that's another aspect. I mean, there are many different aspects of it. Then it's also like, you know, it's a commitment to my wife. I mean, we keep each other, I mean, I don't have to keep her accountable. She's got like a perfect, amazing body and eats everything. But that said, you know, it's just like I, I think among us even, it's like, you know, we'd call each other out if we're uh, headed in the wrong direction or something like that. I mean, just to, to make sure that, you know, you're at your best um, internally and, and not necessarily, I mean, internal is more important than external, but, you know, external is nice too. So that that that's kind of the, the mindset.
1: Yeah, I like that. So that's beautiful, man. Your wife is someone who it seems like you're... Where you really shine is in the business world. And she seem. I, I don't know, I haven't met her, but from what you've shared today, it seems like she's got the health thing down. She maintains her physique. And so you have someone in your corner kind of setting a higher standard in that area. And uh, that's a beautiful thing to have and both supporting one another. Like you said, you both call each other out. I think that's so important. One of the things, Dan, that I hear from a lot of the entrepreneurs that I work with is uh, actually, I've got people who have a situation where they're with, you know, in this case, a guy who has a woman uh, in his life who is fit, but he, exercise, but he struggles with the eating struggles with the Wagyu steaks with the boys and the three glasses of wine that turns into sometimes five or, you know, when it was supposed to only be one. And I'm very curious, you know, how does this, what does that mean? And I don't mean in a judgmental way, but what does it mean when, what are we supposed to think about when our leaders our business leaders or our friends who are entrepreneurs, you know, show up, they have this success in their business. They're making a million a year or five or 40 or hundred, whatever it is. And they, I even have a client who has a client who's a billionaire who is flying him all around. And I asked him, what, what is this guy in shape? And he was very polite about it, but it was obvious the billionaire guy was not. Right. And someone with so many resources, I mean, what does it say about someone? Do you think?
0: Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, because I mean, there have been periods I've gone through where it's just, you're just rolling with the punches and everything. And you know I guess part of it is willingness. I mean, so you've got a lot of entrepreneurs. I mean, look, we're notorious for AD, being ADD. I mean, and uh it depends on the entrepreneur, ADD, ADHD, whatever. But um, not everybody likes structure, even though structure, especially if you have ADD, can give you freedom. In a sense, and so I kind of look at it as um, yeah. I try to use wealth to my money to my advantage. I mean, I've got a personal trainer who's come for uh, basically six years now. Every every day, every weekday, to my home, like uh, at usually around seven a.m. I mean, so so we'll train, and then that's it. And so it's for me, it's also it's it's just making it easy. You know, if you have, we've got a yoga instructor who comes to the house like twice, uh, twice a week. Then we go to tennis sessions. I mean, I'm trying to get back into it. So I've got like tennis lessons, ten, at least one tennis lesson I go to a week. So it's just paying to, to <laughs> make your life easier, to have accountability. I mean, I could just as easily train on my own. And I had that discipline for a long time too. So I think there's, it's just making it a priority. I mean, it's interesting, you know, Richard Branson, I mean, he said if he could make any, give any recommendation to to an entrepreneur, it would just be the one, number one thing would be to work out. I thought that was interesting. He doesn't give any business advice. He's never given business advice. It doesn't matter how many times you've seen him, but there's at least a piece of life advice. I mean, so you just need to, yeah.
1: I actually uh, know his family. I trained Richard once. Uh, I mostly worked with his wife when she was spending time in Miami. Uh trained Sam a couple of times. Sam's been on the show a couple times. It, it's been a while. I gotta reach back out to him. But uh it's it's very interesting, you know, he's a very interesting guy because. He lives on an island, and when you think about that, you're like, "Oh man, what a what a douchebag!" He's got a mansion on an island. Or, I mean, what the average person might think, right? What a douchebag lives on an island. He's probably got like helicopters and mega yachts and just this island full of luxury. But it's actually not like that at all. It, it's his like sanctuary away from all that stuff to have the space to be free and create. And he goes kite surfing all the time. And uh, I read that interview. It was very interesting to read it. Like you said, not a lot of business advice, but he's like working out. What do you think about that as business advice?
0: Well, I mean, I I think it's the, the advice is make space for yourself, right? So it's make sure you have me time. And at the end of the day, I mean, I guess... It's known that if you, if, you, if you overwork yourself, you're going to be less creative. So, um, and then a lot of um, creative ideas come just from uh, taking a break from a problem, right? And uh, going for a walk or working out or whatever, just freeing your mind. I mean, it can be done through working out, it can be done through meditation, it can be done through taking time off, travel, vacation, in mean, all kinds of ways. But at the end of the day, I think it's just um, not forgetting to, not forgetting about yourself. You know, it's it's. I think Jordan Peterson, you know, wrote wrote in uh, one of his books about how um, when they look at the compliance level of um, medication, about a th- if you're prescribed something uh, by a doctor, a third of people, even people that just had a had a had an organ transplant and uh, need a medication to survive, a third of people won't even fill the prescription. Another third won't be compliant. They'll just take it haphazardly, take the, take the medication haphazardly. And then the, the final third will be compliant and follow through. So just a third of people will actually follow the instructions on medication or follow the instructions from a doctor to take a medication a certain way. But if the medication were for their pet, the compliance would be really high. So it's just the tendency of people to be willing to give towards others, but maybe not caring for themselves in a certain way as much and so um it's just uh i don't know if it's just deep-seated lack of self-worth or, or what it is or maybe uh maybe just more more inclination to to help others than themselves but i think ultimately it's just uh you know loving yourself enough to care about yourself in some way so and being willing to find the time i mean the time is always there it's just it's just whether you choose to to use it that way. I mean, same thing even in a workout, right? I mean, you could be slacking off in a workout or, you know, your workouts could be sh- super short, but, you know, you know, the moment you're getting into it, it's like, oh, shit, this is this is going to be an intense workout. I mean, and uh, I mean, that's that's pretty much what I mean, every day I can't say it gets any easier for me. <laughs> it's, it's intense. It's just an intense workout. It's short. I'm done. But, you know, that's it. So move on with my day.
1: Interesting. And you have a whole crew of people. You got a personal trainer. You've got tennis lessons. You've got yoga. A lot of entrepreneurs that I've talked to, not ones that usually become clients, but they they would say, I don't have the time for that. I don't even have the time to exercise at all. I mean, obviously, the people who end up working with me, I don't take clients on who have that type of mindset because what am I going to do? Just like make the time. No, I don't have time. Okay. Session's over. The coaching calls over. Right. Uh, But uh, for me, when I look at those things, it's like people, I don't think people understand habits that much, what they are. And uh, it's a pattern of neural connections. It's something that you're doing over and over and it becomes second nature. It moves from that point of conscious effort to unconscious routine And so many of us, if we, we all, most of us at least brush our teeth, right? We take showers, we get dressed, we do these things, they're routine. We learned how to do them when we were young because our parents made us. And certainly society puts pressure on us to not have bad breath and to, you know, be presentable in school and at work. But with taking care of ourselves, we weren't taught that and we didn't need to be previously. This obesity thing, it's new. It's a new problem. Obesity has always existed, but the level that it exists in, in modern society, other places right that are very, maybe if you look at Cambodia, but if you look at the United States, if you look at Malaysia, uh, one of the, I, I believe it's the wealthiest country out there in Southeast Asia, they have, the, the obesity comes with it. The obesity comes with a seated workplace, with the stress, with the, the emphasis on economy, growing the economy, business. And um, we're in a weird point, which is very good for my business, but very bad for people where it's like, listen, it just hasn't been, it's not mainstream yet. The kid, the, the, like you're probably teaching your kids to take care of your body and they're going to go to school, get a degree, get a job, start a business do a startup, whatever the amazing things that your children are going to go and do, and you're going to pass that on to them. But so many of us, especially, uh, I'm 44. My dad kind of did get me into exercise a little bit, but for the guys who are in their 50s, you know, it probably didn't happen. And still here, uh, it, it's it, even for the guys who are in their 40s or women that are in their 40s too, they didn't get that yet. And so we're trying to go against our it's it feels like a natural inclination, but it's really not. It's just been learned from a young age, and trying to change that. And unfortunately, like you said, even when people get an organ transplant, or you know, I'm aware of that data that you mentioned with the taking medication. Even when a, an organ transplant, you would think they would be very motivated, uh, and and heart attacks too. People who just had heart attacks, they're not taking their medication. And it's hard to go from being a certain way to being a new way. And you have any insight into that? How to change?
0: Well, you know, some people have been motivated by the pandemic. I mean, I was impressed one day. I mean, I saw someone who uh, uh, worked for uh, worked worked for architect and. Um, he had like lost like 20, 30 pounds. He was just like afraid, you know, last April or May. Kind of a, maybe that's a good impetus in, in some sense. I mean, just getting people a little bit more focused on their health and, and wellness and so forth. Yeah. You know, I mean, my dad, um, he was a smoker, never liked to exercise, just thought it was like ridiculous. I mean, you know, just uh, so definitely he was not not an influence for me in that sense. You know, I I do think things are changing though. I mean, but but you know the challenge is am I in a... well, I guess if you look at the broader, I guess I should take that back. If we look at the broad statistics, of course, it's it's out of control. Then at the same time, I guess you know, I feel like I've been somewhat in a bubble just in the sense like in the uh, online um e-com information products market. I mean, just online, just the e-com market. I mean, I've got to know a lot of the um, fitness uh, influencers, thought leaders, and so forth. And, uh, you know, I guess I've just been more exposed to different kinds of information. I mean, over the last, let's say, 15 years, like I've been, I've been generally paleo, or I guess what I would call now meat first for, um, I don't even know, 13 years. I mean, and, uh, you know, I have low cholesterol levels. I mean, great, great levels, great balance. And, and everything else. And I mean, heck, these days I eat more meat than ever. I mean, just purposely, like, you know, at least minimum a pound a day. So, and I mean, before I got that information, I was afraid of eating red meat. Let's put it that way. So, um, you know, used to avoid it and it had to be, you know, skinless chicken. And now it's like, if I get a skinless chicken, I'm like, what is this? You know, it's like, uh, (laughs) it's like an insult. You know, one one thing that comes to mind though is... You know, with, uh, with the time issue around working out, I mean, there's definitely a knowledge gap, but, but the knowledge gap is, is, uh, is systemic. I'll talk about two things. I mean, the knowledge gap is systemic. I mean, look at uh, like the uh, standard American diet, the sad diet, the food pyramid. I mean, it's obsolete information. I mean, it's like you wonder sometimes where where they get this information or what special interests are influencing these recommendations. Because clearly it's not working when you look at like the obesity levels within society. I mean, because 80% of being of being lean is just what you put in your mouth. I mean, I don't care what amounts you're working out. You're, you're unless you're running marathons, I mean, you're not going to out you know, outrun, uh, the calories in, uh, in a Big Mac, you know, or, um, just eating garbage. I mean, it's just like, you know, even, even a six pack, I mean, it's a myth and the six pack is just residing under those layers of fat that once you get rid of them, you'll see your, you'll see your abs, you know? So, so there's just a lot of misinformation there. So I think, I think these days that's probably the biggest challenge. It's just like, uh, Think of it as uh, the analog to mainstream media and getting getting true perspectives or what might really be happening versus what you're being fed. It's the same thing, I think. With uh, with health information, it's just there are a lot of bad sources, and um, and then also understanding the nuances of like you can have two equal truths, like two things could be um, basically two things could be totally different and both are true, right? So you've got people who are doing, you know, a ketogenic diet, for instance. And I mean, that's one extreme. At the same time, you could just do a Mediterranean diet. I mean, that's a more balanced diet. I mean, they're both fine. It's just that when you're in one system, you got to stick to the rules of the one system or else you'll kill yourself. I mean, super high fat and carbs, you know, combined together, you've got, a, you've got a recipe for disaster. So, it's like, um, so I feel one thing is, it's just having good information sources. The other thing is, in terms of being able to work out and having time to do it, I've had a cook for the last, basically had somebody cooking for me probably for the last 11 years. And I'm not talking about my wife. I mean, <laughs> so basically like uh, we early on, I mean, hired someone to bring us food. Well, actually, I guess it goes back even more than that. I mean, before I met my wife. So that's got to be 2006. It was the first time uh, uh, my business partner and I said, you know what, let's get healthy meals delivered to the office and did that for quite a long time. And then still today, I mean, I have somebody that's basically, uh, well, now we have somebody that, you know, just is basically a chef, just helps at the home. So it's, all, it was so so basically I don't have extra time I have to put in to find, I'm also working from home these days. So that, that helps. I and mean, I've got, I've built my life in such a way that it makes this stuff pretty easy. But even if you didn't do that, I mean, there are simple workout solutions at home that are incredibly effective. I mean, that's what I, that's what I do. So. I just don't think, I think it's just a a choice, right? So everything comes down to a decision and um, you have to decide who you want to be and then act accordingly. You have to decide what you want, um, what end outcome you want. I mean, are you, I don't want to end up like my dad. I mean, basically I was walking with him and had to, he retired in uh, in the Czech Republic in Prague. And uh, I remember walking with him one day and, we were walking down a hill or whatever and he just said, um, Hey, you know, can you, can you stop for a moment? Uh, just rest for a moment. And he was, I was like, why what's going on? And he's like, Oh, you know, I just have a little pressure here and I'm like, Oh, okay. So how long's that been going on? And he's like, Oh, like two months. And so, um, you know, I basically raised hell to my stepmom. I was like, you know, if you don't take him to the doctor and he dies, I'm going to blame you. Like, you know, like just whatever I had to say to get her to take him. And and they and she, he went and immediately went in for like uh, stents because they basically said, you know, you you had had a minor heart attack. You know, so that's not a future I want. So it just then it just comes down to um, I don't know. I I, I just don't want to be one of these people that's just going to take the easy route popping pills and but ironically I pop a hell of a lot of pills today I mean it's just <laughs> supplements just you know proactively or you know doctor checked blood and said hey you know maybe we could tweak this little thing but you are you know 13 years under your bi- age biologically like you know you're you're looking great but let's try this or uh here this could help with recovery or, or whatever it is so I'm mean, open to that, you know, fish oil caps, vitamin D, that kind of stuff. So it's, but so in that sense, it's more uh, being proactive about something than, than needing to worry about it later. Well
1: said. And uh, my dad was a big motivator for me. He, I remember when I was maybe, I don't know, five or six, and he would lift weights and do bicep curls. We had these dumbbells. And then I would hang off of his bicep after, and I thought he was so strong. Then I grew up and realized they were only 20-pounders, you know what I mean? But still, he was doing well, he was doing well. He's a, an attorney, labor attorney, very successful, uh, had a lot of uh, big clients, but then really started losing it. So that was kind of a, a thing for me. But while you and I are motivated by this the, the relationship with our father, and uh, it's it interesting, other people I know have a similar situation where their parent passed away or is still alive and just in poor health. You know, it hasn't quite clicked. So it's kind of interesting. We got to really find that point. What I, I think we almost have to look for it. Really have to look like, what, where can I get leverage over myself to, to take action? Because sometimes it's so difficult. I want to change the subject a little bit. What do you... Um, you know, you talk you you talk about living to one hundred and twenty or longer. I've had clients who went to the Health Nucleus and who are into all these different types of, you know, paying attention to the different longevity, I guess, technologies that are developing. What what, what it's, what's exciting you?
0: That's a good question. You know, I mean, I've got a buddy of mine who is. I think has a group related to that, and it's like uh, it has these Nobel Prize winners. that talk about different things. I mean, the only advice he's ever said is is like the metaphorum. Was it metaphormen? Metaphor?
1: Metformin. Metformin. Uh-huh. metformin.
0: I mean, that's the only thing I've the ever. The diabetes drug. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't take it, but uh, but I'm I'm kind of looking to him. I mean, at some point. <laughs> to kind of see how that goes but then i don't know i mean there was this uh i forget what company it was but it was almost like a stranger than fiction kind of or or out of out of a movie kind of kind of notice where um the uh this one uh ceo of uh some sort of uh gene therapy company basically figured out some way to lengthen her telomeres or something and just injected herself with the uh, Solution they came up with, and uh, I mean, this was in the news, and obviously just not doing this to, to anybody else. But you know, I'm just curious. You know, like that's a case where you know you want to see, hey, ten years from now, like did that have the intended effect, right? So I don't know. I mean, I I can't say that uh, other than being aware of like um, proactive stem cell solutions, for instance, things like that that I've considered but haven't done yet. I can't say that I've really gone down the full rabbit hole. I mean, I've got a a bunch of friends that are really into biohacking and other things and I'm listening, but I mean, I haven't really heard anything definitive yet that, uh, that has piqued my attention other than stem cells, I'd probably say.
1: Yeah. I'm looking into that as well. It's like, and also cartilage replacements instead of knee or joint replacements. Uh, some of these people there, if you're suffering from arthritis, they can, because a big part of it, you're already doing right. You're The nobody wants to hear like, Hey, maybe even if there are drugs, they're not going to build your muscle for you. And we know that muscle is linked with longevity and certainly it's linked very strongly with the ability to get up out of a chair and do whatever you want to do, whether, you you know, uh, when when you're older and certainly if you're going to be around, what's the point? If you, if you just have to lay in bed and binge watch. You know, Apple Plus series or whatever. So, so very cool, Um, interesting. I I would love to talk more about that, maybe off the interview. And and if you had anybody who you think would be good for the podcast, that might be kind of interesting.
0: I've got one friend I think you'd you'd enjoy speaking to. I mean, he's got a supplements company that's that's doing a lot of interesting things with enzymes and other stuff. I mean, really growing rapidly, and he does some wild stuff. So it's always interesting it's always interesting talking to him as well. So, you know, I think in all this is just staying motivated, you know, I mean, and just, it's just, uh, it's like constantly, I, I just go back to if I, just having a trainer there, just makes me want to show up. I can motivate myself. Like today, he, he's at a competition doing something and, uh, you know, no big deal. I just worked out or I, I've taken nine trips this year and, and continue to work out while I while I was away. So it's just um, it's just staying disciplined. And then I guess, you know, the other thing too is I think, you know, on the education front, I feel like there's always more to learn. I mean, it was only this year that I finally was like, you know what, I haven't been getting like all the results I really want. Let me try changing my diet completely, you know, and just eating a ton more protein. And so, like, that made a big difference. That made a huge difference. Um, Protein um, um, matters. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought I was eating enough, but not, not, (laughs) obviously not. So, uh, I gained, like, 27, 28 pounds this year. So, I'm basically at the point where uh, I decided to do it a little bit. I mean, so many approaches to to, to putting on mass. So, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm kind of at the point where I might want to, cut down just a bit just want to get my uh just feeling like I want to get my body fat down again so in that sense um even with that i mean over the years i've done tons of fasting water fasting um there's always like a new tool i've learned which is kind of cool i mean eventually you just have this toolbox and it's like when i think about losing weight it's just super easy i mean it's just like and even now, without doing the fact that I don't uh, drink coffee anymore, I think makes losing weight even that much easier. I mean, just because there's no just fasting a day, two days, five days, whatever. It, it's it's like not a not a big deal. So, um, so you always have a tool that you can self-correct with. And I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is learning what those tools are and experimenting with them. And yeah, that's something I enjoy do- doing too is I mean, I've been paleo. Like mainly paleo. I mean, uh, uh, not an imperfect paleo. So that's why I just say like meat first. But then you know I want to experiment. I experimented with uh, a ketogenic diet for for a couple months, uh, and then one I haven't tried is just a carnivore diet. Like that's one I just just for fun want to want to try for a little bit of time. Uh, so we'll see. But some stuff you know I've got kids, so I got to be careful too on. Like I don't want them seeing seeing me fasting and other things, right? I try to it's it's tough. I try to play it off in such a way because, you know, I don't want them to next thing you know, they think it's okay to be bulimic or something like that, or or like you know, there's some more uh, eating disorder view of it and, um, or they, they could have lead, they could inspire that or something anemic, you know, or, or whatever, whatever it is. So that's something that, that also comes to mind. That's why I like a one meal a day or some of these other things. I mean, some of them, I'm just a little bit on wanting to try also for just practical reasons too. I mean, you don't want to, there's that careful balance between limiting your social options and, you know, just, living a happy life, you know, and needing to have that extra like nth degree of uh, fitness level that basically is just like, like an 80-20, it's the 20% that takes 80% of the time or 20% that maybe takes away 80% of your joy in life, right? Or <laughs> whatever it is. So there's that, there's that balance. But I guess one other thing that comes to mind too is, um, you know, and you mentioning people uh, eating out, and the portion sizes and all this, you know, interestingly enough, I mean, if you know what not to eat, it's never so bad. I mean, let's say you go out and okay, maybe the alcohol, the alcohol and sweets are my killer. But other than that, I mean, on the food side, it's like, there are so give me any restaurant, even an Italian restaurant, there's still stuff you can eat. That's just fine. It's not going to be, not going to be a big deal. It's just knowing what not to eat or what to limit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much for sharing that. So you have these people that you're around like Matt and other health influencers. You have some environmental changes that you've created for yourself. You experiment that keeps your motivation higher because something novel, you know, that gets you into it. Something novel can help you get the excitement back again. Yeah. Very cool. And then Also thinking about how you're influencing your children with your choices. So being mindful about that. That's one of the first times anyone, I know this is an interview, so it's a little bit different, but a lot of people don't talk about that side of things. And there is something you talked about eating disorders. There's, you mentioned bulimia, certainly that's one in being um, anorexic, but one that people don't talk about enough is orthorexia which i i kind of went down where you're just like you won't i i wouldn't eat out at a restaurant this is like 20 years ago when it was hard to find organic food where whole foods hadn't bought wild oats yet like i wouldn't go out if they didn't have organic options or you know as buying all this food from farms and there's nothing wrong with that it's kind of the emotional intensity that comes along with it that can be very unhealthy. And I think that now we're starting to realize, Hey, you know, physical health is super important, but there's a lot of physically quote unquote, you know, air quote, healthy people out there that maybe don't really qualify as emotionally healthy or mentally healthy, or however you want to think about it. So, so thanks for bringing that up, especially with regards to kids, something we all have to think about. What is it shit. What are we teaching our children? Not through our words. Like don't do what daddy's doing. Cause we, I mean, just like me with my dad, he was doing bicep curls and working out. I picked that up from him. He even gave it up, but I kept it up. And that was a positive thing, but could be a negative thing. You never know. So it's really, really important. Well, Dan, I mean, uh, this was a, a great interview. I'd love to have you back again to talk more about leadership. And you know, you said you're very passionate about leadership. We we just totally took off on the health thing, which is what I wanted to to do today. But I, I'm very curious about that. So I'd love to have you back on if you're up for that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, no, I appreciate it. You know, one more thing on the kid's side. I mean, I got to say that's got to be uh, like, I think about that all the time because when I was, I mean, one thing I didn't mention is I was, uh, I was a fat kid. I mean, basically when my parents got divorced, I moved with my mom back to the States. I was born in Germany. And so uh, by the time I was like 12, I mean, I think I was like 30 pounds overweight or something like that. And uh, I finally got fed up and went on a put myself personally on a, on a strict diet for like six months. I mean, and lost like all the weight, didn't have a single piece of candy during that, those six months. And, and I, I knew that when my dad was, uh, like 12, 13, he also was overweight or whatever. And so, I mean, I wouldn't say he was, he had a little bit of a, always carried a little bit of extra weight. I mean, I would, I would say that not a lot, but that was another thing is, um, I guess, you know, I, I feel like in my wife and I both feel like this, if, if you, if your child is overweight, I mean, I don't buy, I mean, I get, okay, a little bit of a growth spurt, there's a little bit of extra weight, and then there's a growth spurt, but I don't really buy the, uh, a child being overweight argument as being okay, like at any point, because in my mind, if a child is overweight, you're screwing up their hormones for the rest of their life. I mean where they'll always struggle with weight. There'll always be some tendency, at least that's, that's my belief. There'll be some tendency to gain weight. So we've really made sure that with our kids, I mean, we're not total Nazis with candy and stuff like that. I mean, it's just mostly, uh, mostly, but we, I mean, my dad in his old age, I mean, still wanted to drink like milk and like apple juice and not, didn't really like to drink water that much. And, uh, now, my kids just, they, even if we're out and people offer them juice or whatever, they might have a little bit, but they're still like, hey, I want some water. So like, that's their first, that's their main beverage, you know? And so, so that's been, so it's like, you're just really trying to influence that in a positive way, even with, you know, I guess on the downside, I mean, after Halloween, I mean, cause I'd get a, I'd get a like, a pillowcase filled with, like, candy, right? I'd be high on candy for at least a month, like, easily. Like, just eating copious amounts of candy. And, you know, we're... (laughs) It's doled out, like, you know, one little piece a day after they've already, like, chosen the 80% they want to get rid of. So, you know, even that stuff is just controlled to try to keep. Because, because I mean, I remember when I was um, in high school, like... I would eat like cinnamon toast crunch for breakfast and I would be high as a kite like I couldn't focus at all for at least the first hour of school like there was this weird like I don't know I just feel like I was floating all the time and so it took me you know until I actually started eating more healthy and realized that that's that's what it was you know now I mean gosh I mean since I was in college even like uh just basically just have eaten eggs for breakfast or protein for breakfast and you know, no, no sugar and it's just made a dramatic difference. So it's like, but most people don't know this. I mean, they're not thinking about it or they're not, um, you know, even have uh, in-laws that it's like, you know, they, they only recently got rid of the like candy stash that their kids always could go to, to take something because the kids started gaining a little bit, you know, they, they got to the point at 12, 13, 14, 15, that, that they started gaining some more weight. And putting on extra weight, but it's kind of too late at that point. I mean, if you haven't already built the habits and already explained to your kids, hey, you know, eat this, not that. Focus on the meat, like focus on the eggs more than like eat less of less of this. But clearly, you know, eat enough, no matter what. But um, if you haven't explained that along the way, I mean, how are you going to change those habits at that point in time? And you've already kind of um, just made made your child's life worse. So. That's we just cut out for a sec. So that, that's kind of how I think about it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm more extreme, but uh I'm not going to have fat kids. No way.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's tough, right? Because with the children, you know, thanks for bringing this up. But you're right. I, I'm not aware of all the literature on, on children. I don't work with children uh, because I mean, I love kids, but I like to work with adults. And but there is a change that happens. And if they're dealing with it with when they're young, it's certainly stacking the odds. And like you said, yeah, there's going to be some changes hormonally speaking with leptin and their their brain and their hypothalamus and the regulation of body weight. It's like really can set things up for, set them up for a a very difficult life. Yeah. And so something to think about, obviously, some people are in better situations than others. But if you're in a good financial situation and you've got a luxury car and other things and you're you're thinking about where you're going to send them to school and what type of car you're going to buy them and you're not really thinking about like, hey, listen, my children have a problem here and uh, maybe... Maybe some resources, some of your resources need to go into that. Yeah, it's a tough situation. One that I don't really deal with personally. I don't even know how to help someone with that other than be the leader,
0: be the example. Set the example. I mean, you get to choose what you put in your kid's mouth, uh, what what you tolerate. I mean, you know, if kids can raise hell like wanting to eat, you know, I don't know, fried food and... Versus something else, but you know you can decide. So it's just um, sometimes also having the tolerance to sometimes just guide those positive positive uh, choices. But you know when I mean you you've brought up the the material piece and so forth. Yeah, my my philosophy on on on, on like the whole material side of of wealth is I, I tell you what, I would trade personal services over any material possessions any day of the week because the more that I'd rather invest in that because that frees me up and that simplifies my life. So like, there's no, I mean, if you don't have, if you don't have somebody like working for you full-time at home or something like that, and you have a Ferrari, then I think you got your priorities wrong. I mean, it's like, what, (laughs) What? (laughs) who cares? Like, personal freedom is like the most important thing. I mean, in my, my opinion. And so you buy your freedom. I mean, but at the same time, by buying your freedom, you're, you're freeing somebody else too, right? You're giving them an opportunity and uh, you're supporting all of these people as well who, who are able to then uh, make your life better too. So it's like a perfect form of trading, right? So you get to focus on what you're doing, they get to focus on what they're doing, and, and everybody's just better off. So I don't know, that's 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 how I think about that piece. That that kind of guides a lot of my perspective on things, so.
1: Yeah, and you're bringing up such an important point, something, I, I mean, I, I'm a coach, so I sell coaching. And I talk about this a lot. The people who hire me are people who are doing really well in life. Sure. And one of the reasons that they're doing well in life is not just because of the money, but because of the, I guess the value system behind it, because it's our culture, our brains are wired in such a way. There's got to be some sort of wiring in our brain. I was looking, trying to look up some literature the other day about this, but cars, you can touch a car, you can get in a car, you can drive a car, you can live in a house, you can feel a a shirt, you can look at a watch, you can wear a watch. And it's just, there's got to be something in our in our DNA, and certainly our culture emphasizes that. Hey, buy the car. You're gonna get if you're a guy, buy a car. The hot girls are gonna like you. If you're a woman, get the get the purse, get the makeup, get you know whatever it is. I don't pay. I don't really watch much advertising these days. Uh, even when it's put in my face on social media, I don't even pay attention to it. But like we we have all these messages coming at us. They're probably exploiting some sort of Innate wiring in our brains, some innate tendencies or biases or whatever. And then, like, buying coaching. Whoa, what is what? Like, coaching, that's such a weird thing. That's for athletes. And, you know, if you dig a little bit deeper, you know, like Steve Jobs worked with a guy named John Matone. think I'm saying his name, but like, you don't think about yourself.
0: He didn't put him on a fruit diet, did he?
1: I don't know, no, no. I I was a leadership coach.
0: Okay, leadership guy. I wasn't familiar with him. Okay, so, but no, just that. That was a that was a bizarre one. But yeah,
1: yeah, probably not so good with the pancreatic cancer. Who knows? But anyway, yeah, it's just it's it's something where if you don't make that shift and start to think about things in the way, or at least more in the way that you're talking about, Dan. You know, society doesn't set you up for success, and even if you're a successful person, it's like, hey, now you have money. Buy this car. Buy, buy this watch. Buy, buy these things. And I like nice things. Actually, I like nice clothes, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's just the out of the the imbalance, you know, that is concerning, you know, and and the consequences of doing that.
0: Hundred percent. Well, I mean, it's just more of a. I don't know if you call it more. Abstract orientation versus concrete, or it's just more external influence or focus than internal. But no, I agree. I mean, I think. Well, it also depends on the age of someone too, right? I mean, that's the other side of it. I mean, when you're younger, uh, and I'm, I'm, I mean, we're we're similar ages. I'm forty three. Um, you know, maybe there's more of an in, in impetus to to show your wealth. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. Actually, that that probably. I mean, my dad was, uh, you know, basically from the former Soviet Union. And I mean, there, the perspective is like, what's the point of money if you can't show it? So, you know, it's just a totally different mindset. So versus uh, I would prefer to be subtle, you know, maybe if I think long term, it's like you drive a modest car, but you <laughs> you fly in to catch your car. So, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. There's just different perspectives. It's just what's important to you. I mean, I, I just I think it really comes down to what's important to you. If you're more cerebral and you know, if you're more in the world of ideas or uh, experiences or other things, then you know the physical possession side. I don't think matters as much. But I mean, experiences is another place, right? I mean, what kind of amazing things can you? Where can you go? What kind of things can you? try. I mean, that's where, um, I think that's where our generation is generally just shifting or like people today. I mean, I think there's probably more of a movement towards that, like, uh, experiences over possessions, you know? So, so it could be shifting, you know, and there is, uh, there is some level of knowledge orientation, right? I mean, people are going online, looking up things, there are influencers, there are, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I mean, as much as people might not be reading you know, still might not be reading a lot of books. I mean, historically, the average was like two books a year for an, for, for an American. And uh, it may be, I, I, I don't even know if it was two books, but I think it was two books. But imagine, look how much reading is going on. I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, regardless of what reading it is, I mean, people are reading for hours a day online. So there's some level, I think, more of uh, knowledge orientation. You know, seeking out information, and um, so I think that's a big opportunity for coaches for other people just to get their message out there and to get uh, to influence people, nudge them in the right direction. So, so hopefully that bodes well well for the future. Yeah, yeah,
1: and 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 having people like you on the show to talk about your own experiences, it really it really helps. Uh, There's a circuit of people who go on podcasts, and it's really nice to get someone a fresh perspective. So thank you for coming on and, and sharing that today, Dan. Definitely.
0: Thanks a lot for your time. I appreciate it.
1: And if someone wanted to reach out to you for mentorship or for something else, do you have a place where you'd like to send them?
0: It's it's all really referral based. So D at Outlook.com. I mean, I don't I, I, you know, again, it's 10% of my time. So it's, it's more it's, um, it's, it's, it's a passion area, but uh, so I'm not, I'm not really, yeah, as a marketer, I, am not marketing myself <laughs> in a sense. So
1: I hear you. Yeah. Or even just to say something about the interview,
0: perhaps. Yes. Ping, ping me on LinkedIn. Um, that would be, that would be an easy place to, to do it or, or go through the front door at Mindfinity and send an email in to customer service. It'll, it'll get to me one, one way or another. Cool.
1: Well, Dan, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for your wisdom as well. And your perspective on this, it was uh, you know, inspiring to hear. And I know it's going to help shift some people to not be the, that pudgy entrepreneur that you talked about.
0: I <laughs> exactly. so appreciate it. No, I appreciate it too, man. Thanks a lot.
1: That's it for today, my friend. I really hope you learned a lot from my interview with Dan and listening to his journey. And I hope it inspired you to make some changes in your own life. Now, this Friday, I'm going to share with you what I would do differently if I was starting my fitness journey in 2022. I'm going to share with you the things I would do differently because there's three important things I would focus on. And if you want to figure out what these are, if you want to learn what these are so that you can take my 23 years of knowledge and fast forward your results, tune in on Friday for another Real Talk conversation. Have an incredible weekend, speak to you then. Okay, I've got something exciting to share with you. Over the past few months, my team and I have been working hard behind the scenes to create something special for you, my listeners. If you're an executive, entrepreneur, or other high performer looking to lose 20 to 30 pounds of fat, transform your body, and to do it all without giving up your favorite foods or your social life in the process, then you're going to want to hear this. I've never done anything like this before, but I'm confident it's going to help you win big with your health in 2022. So if you're excited to see what I have planned to help you, go to legendarylifepodcast.com slash Facebook to join my exclusive Facebook group. Again, that's legendarylifepodcast.com slash Facebook. See you inside.